Hello and welcome to another episode of Joe Blogs About Films. Thanking you as always for clicking on the podcast, for supporting, sharing. It really is just super appreciated. All the time that you take to listen to me waffle endlessly <laughs> about films and TV and, and all that jazz. Just, yeah, thank you ever so much. Uh, in this particular episode, we are going to be talking about Jaws 2. Why? Because I want to, that's why. I love Jaws. I say the, the, the original, obviously the, the, the film that Spielberg released in 75 was just incredible. Uh, absolutely incredible. It's, 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 as I stated before, I think not too long ago, in fact, on the podcast, that it is my all-time favourite film. And so, of course, as a kid, being completely you know, in awe of that film, I was always interested to see what the sequels were because I'd heard about the sequels, but I was like, I'd, I'd love to see them. And just on a bit of a, a side note storytelling tangent, I, I actually, my first experience watching Jaws 2 um, was, I, I remember just looking through the TV guide one particular weekend when I was at my dad's and it was on very late on like a Friday or Saturday night. We're, we're talking, it wasn't starting until like 11pm and wouldn't finish until like 1am or something or even half one, something silly with the adverts and such in between. Um, and I remember sticking it on VHS to record and timed it all and I remember actually sitting down to just see what would happen in this sequel, see what they could possibly do with another shark in Jaws 2. And and just going to go out there from the get-go and say that Jaws 2 is not a terrible film. Like, it's not at all in the slightest. There's there's things in there, there's problems, there's there's story. Like I guess that you could say that it, there's not many memorable characters aside from Chief Brody or or anything like that. Like The, 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 the length of the, the cast in this obviously is nowhere near the same capacity and sheer amazingness that he obviously had in, in the first one. You know, we didn't get any of the original, other than, as I say, Chief Brody and and and, and his wife and, and, and the mayor and such. There's no one else. I say Matt Hooper's not in this. Obviously, Quinn met his demise in the first Jaws. So it's one of those where it's like, I, I have a lot of respect for it in that front because I think that, that um, Roy Scheider does an absolutely amazing job in this to kind of keep the film going like he is he carries this film and um yeah i think jaws 2 is not the worst sequel at all it's actually like i i thought i'd just have a quick look and see what it's rating is on imdb not that i've ever really give too too much luck or interest into this but it's 5.8 on imdb and jaws was 8.1 i think i think that's too big of a drop for me like i'm not saying this the jaws 2 is like a like a same like eight because for me jaws I, well, Jaws is a ten out of ten film for me, so I would granted probably maybe maybe do have higher marks for Jaws too than, than most people. But I don't know. Like I think that there is there's something in there that makes it just fairly enjoyable. I think it is the fact to say that we're back in Amity, where we're able to catch up with Brody and his family and see how how life has progressed since since obviously the first shark, and then it turns into this kind of like one man crusade to a prove he's right, but then also to save a bunch of kids that are trapped sailing. Out in the out in the sea uh, from another great white shark, and there's always going to be problems when you do a sequel to something like Jaws because I mean Spielberg said it himself when they asked him to come back to do the sequel he was like I've made the definitive shark film I don't really think I need to do it again or like I don't, I've got no interest in, in that front to to come back and he said that making a sequel to anything is just a cheap carny trick uh, and that's what he said I think in '75 um, at the San Francisco Film Festival which. Fair enough. I, that, that's one of those where he just... I mean, I know he has done sequels since then, but I think that it is difficult in a way to... Especially with how good and, and you know, how amazing, sorry, Jaws was, that doesn't necessarily need a sequel. I mean, try telling that to the studio and the producers that whipped out three and four, but Jesus. Um, but I, I think that the, these two go, like, kind of well, like, hand in hand. Granted, there is a superior film in Jaws 1, but Jaws 2, I think, follows on the story 
I think the, well enough, really. It isn't at all, like I said, the worst sequel that's ever come out. There's been plenty of terrible ones out there. And I, I would say that, obviously, if you've not seen Jaws 2, to do give it a watch. Um, otherwise, I am going to spoil it for you in this. So spoilers, obviously, if you've not seen it. One of those where you may have seen it years ago. I'm obviously going to be talking about a few plot points and stuff like that. But, yeah, Jaws, Jaws 2 went through a, a good back and forth behind the scenes. Bit of a Again, a bit of a nightmare behind the scenes to, to, to make, or at least to get started making. Um, different script ideas, different directors coming and going. Obviously, there was still really, I think, Universal wanted Spielberg to try and kind of recapture what he did with the first one, but as I've stated there, he had no interest. However, there was a little bit of a... He potentially could have come back. Like There could have been a real like plot twist because he, uh, he did at one point very nearly become the director again for this, but due to, um, due to commitments... With uh, Close Encounters, he was just not unable to. I think that he, he could have done the Jaws sequel, but he would have had to wait like another year or something for him to be able to be free to, to do it. Um, and you know what the studio's like. Most studios, it's like, well, we made so much money. I mean, you know, it was the first blockbuster, the first summer blockbuster. You know, it was massive. It, it was unbelievable what, what that film did. So obviously the studios weren't going to just sit around and be like, oh, let's, uh, let's yeah, let's, let's wait. Let's not try and, like, cash in on that kind of thing. So, hey, as I stated, though, I don't think Jaws two is that bad. I think it's I think it's fine. I'm not gonna go on and do another Jaws three and four podcast. I mean, if I did, it'd be more of a just a I don't know more of a slander podcast because it's they're just awful. Um, but no, Jaws two. That's what we're going to talk about in this particular episode. Before we do dive in, of course, the podcast is available on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, RSS.com, all that jazz. Wherever you get your podcast from, it should be there. Uh, Facebook page is Joe Blogs about films. Jump on that, give us a like and a follow that too would be greatly, greatly appreciated. So as I stated, a bit of a fan of Jaws too. I think that it's it's a great it's a great character story for Brody. With that as well, you've got Lorraine Gary as well, who's back as Ellen Brody. And then the other the other familiar face that was that's in the leading cast anyways is Murray Hamilton as Mayor Vaughan. The character which I just like I cannot understand how he's still mayor. We were saying this when I was watching it, like I just cannot understand how this guy has not lost his job after the events of the first one, you know, in the sense that he just wanted to keep the beaches open, wanted to bring in the money for what amateurs should receive usually for the summer, for the summertime. Shark or no shark. Um, and it's literally like, like they were saying, like Matt Hooper was saying in there, like Dra- Richard Dreyfuss' character, that it's like, oh, it, might have, it might have been Roy Scheider actually saying that if you let people in, he's ringing the dinner bell, for, for Christ's sake, I think he says is, is the quote there. Um, and this is it. Like I say, he's still, he's still in charge. And I, I, there's a lot of things that he does in... Well, I'd say a lot of things. He's not really got too much screen time, but yet again, <laughs> the mayor's in denial about it all. And it's it, it turns... It could have it could have got a little bit gimmicky with that because, like I was saying, it's good in a way that they didn't do the whole he was more concerned about the beaches being open. Like, that's not really a factor in this. It's just a case that I think it's that, that spin on... They think that Roy Scheider's Brody's going through a bit of, like, PTSD or at least he's you know, struggling to come to terms following the events of Jaws, like that he had this encounter with the shark, it's really knocked him back, and they're just not not buying or believing him, but the evidence all points there, you know, I mean, like, you've got these, like, people that have got, you've got divers that have gone missing at the start of the film, you've got the lady, obviously, that's water skiing, that's just vanishes, and there's that huge explosion, which I can't wait to kind of go over that, because it's one of the most ridiculous deaths I've ever seen, ever. Um, and, and this is it, it's like, I, if anyone knows... The the kind of oh and oh sorry I forgot to mention a killer whale just washes up on shore half eaten and still he's like nah there's no shark talking nonsense you know there's photo evidence nah don't worry about it mate there's no shark you just you sacked like 
all the evidence is pointing there. And like I said, if there's anyone that, that knows these traits and obviously that can tell that this is genuinely another shark problem, it's going to be Chief Brody. Like, I... I can't I can't stress enough really how good Roy Scheider's performance is in this particular film. Like I say, he does carry the film like so so much, and it's almost like in on some levels his performance is a lot better than it is in Jaws One because he's gone through it all, like he's seen it all, and there's people that are not believing him, not buying what he's saying, and I think that's such a great character, like a character piece in itself. You know, to have someone that is fighting a losing battle that knows that he is right, that is that is. Like I say, he's not got the direct or definitive evidence to say, like, he can't pick up the shark and be like, here it is. But, like, you know, you've got people, like I say, dying left, right, and center. They know, like, the mayor knows and co that Amity, no accidents really, you know, the no issues like this would happen. Like, the, the shark popping up in the first one was just like one in a so many million chance. You know what I mean? Like, something ridiculously, you know, in, in, in terms of that of happening. When this is happening again, obviously, the, the, there's something that's going, going on in the sea and. They're just like, nah, it's it's just another freak accident or whatever. A boating accident is what they like to call it. I just, it it's a great performance, so just going back to Shire, I think he, he absolutely nails this, uh, nails it. I'm really glad that this is his last, like, Jaws film, um, because obviously they changed a lot of things in Jaws 3 and 4, and, oh, God. Um, but I, I think that he, uh, he, they could say, steals the show, because he is, they say he's the main figure, he's the one that, that has to lead uh, lead the film so yeah I think Shida deserves so much praise for this film so so much praise it's interesting enough to hear like and see the different ideas behind what they were going to go for because obviously the I think the wonder is still there with this Jaws film as well like it still feels even though Spielberg's not attached to it in any way you still got John Williams' score which is wonderful once again in this film like it really is like there's some really clever ways that he does where he kind of sprinkles so you've got the classic Jaws theme but every now and then he'll like mix it in with something light like there's a sequence where the um they're the play there's some people playing in the sea this is before like the sharks really got going and they're on like a uh, maybe it's just parasailing I, I don't know but anyways he's flying up and down and dunking into the water then flying back up again being brought up with the wind and such and it's like the jaws music kicks in then it'll flash to the top of the surface where you can see him flying with his parasail on uh, I don't even know if it is that. It's just, yeah, anyways. But it's like the music keeps going from like really ominous, obviously the, the classic theme, but then something like really light and, and nice at the same time. So it's, it's it, it works really well, though. There's 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 some stuff that John Williams does in this that I think that it can strike fear and, and wonder at the same time. I say it's like when we find the orca at the start of the film. I, I love anything like that. I've said before, anything that we get to kind of see, like any flashes of previous events or something like that it's gonna have like me all over it with the opening title card of jaws too there's there's the, the whole music it's like there's like a like a cello in there it's all like very lovely and 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 floaty and and just feels like you're about to just watch a lovely under the sea film you know everything's lovely then then it builds and builds you've got the strings coming in coming in until this huge grand explosion where we get to see bluefish together as like a swarm as the title card says, Jaws 2 in menacing red letters, leading us then up to these these divers uh, is all this kind of, like I said, lovely cello and, and soft playing music. And then the sound cuts out. And that's the point when you know, okay, something's going to happen here. Like the shark is going to come. But there is a brief beat, or a pause, sorry, of silence underwater before the first... Da-dum. And then we go off. It's that beauty of what John Williams can do, I think, in films, where you're just like, oh, this guy, this guy. And that was a really great way of starting the film, if I'm being honest. Just a couple of divers, they've discovered the orca, they destroyed, like, well, 
well, yeah, pretty much destroyed Orca from the first one, only for that to be the the place where the shark pops up again. And 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 this is another tricky thing as well with this film because as as you can understand, the beauty of the first film is the suspense. It's like kind of Hitchcockian approach of not really well, less is more basically. You don't see anything you don't see the shark hardly at all whereas in this is because we've already had the scares of the shark in the first one we know what the shark looks like that first that first appearance when bruce the shark pops out of the water when brody's throwing out the, the fish the, to jump into the sea and obviously you get the infamous you're gonna need a bigger boat line you know that shock was all there like, it's like a huge like whoa like here we go like there there he is there's we're not going to get that same thing again in jaws 2 uh fun fact as well that the shark obviously obviously was named bruce in the first one he was referred to as Bruce too in this one, would you believe? Um, I didn't even realise as well that they called him Bruce after Spielberg's lawyer. So there's a little fun fact for you as well. Um, but yeah, we were never going to get that kind of same height of suspense and tension of, of not seeing the shark when we've seen a lot, uh, when we saw what it looked like in uh, towards the end, uh, towards the end of the first film and such. So I think they have to tackle. I think they tackled it really well because it's it's weird because you watch you watch Jaws two and you you see the shark so much already in like the first twenty minutes. You've seen about four or five times glimpses of him at least. Yeah, it, it was always going to be difficult in that, and I think that they did a pretty good job with it because they still kind of kept the POV shots, just not as much. And it's like, I don't know, they, they obviously then tried to make it even more intimidating and terrifying to look at by giving it that whole burn look on the side of the face, which uh, one of my friends were watching it say it looked like the uh, Michael Myers mask from Halloween Kills. So, like, yeah, they, they made it really look quite menacing. It was as, as scary as impactful as they possibly could. Um, that more menacing look by scarring him in that in that boat explosion. My God, that was... It's such a strange one. That I might as well talk about it while we're here because, you know, you've got this really good uh, sequence of, like, it goes from, obviously, what I was just saying there, we've got these kids playing in the sea when they're, you know, flying up and down on... I, I, I say, it, look, I, there's, there's obviously a term for it, but I, I can't think of the way where it is, but it's like I said, it is like parasailing, but in water. We're just going to go with that anyways. Um, it goes from that, and you think, is the shark going to get one of these guys? Well, oh, oh, no, it doesn't. And then you get to see this lovely shot of these you know, girls having a great time, you know, water skiing, and then the fin comes up behind her. Um, I love that breakage in the water. And they say, this is where music and film is so impactful as well, because you've got this, great, like I say, really, really great moment of these two having a nice time, the fin pops up from behind as it starts obviously chasing down. And it's almost like this burst of like, it, again, it sounds wondrous from from Williams in the score. Like it's almost like, well, hey, here he is, off we pop. But then it obviously turns like sour because obviously the shark gets gets the first, gets the girl on the back of the water ski. Then he comes for the lady in the boat. And this is where I was like, I don't understand what this lady in the boat is doing, bless her. Like I, I gather she is trying to burn this shark um, I think it's pretty ingenious that the first thing she did was grab a, a you know, a can full of, of gasoline. You know, that's literally grabs it. And then next thing you know, she's pouring it all over herself. And I'm like, is she, I, I, I just, it's, it's obviously like one of those things where, because the acting in Jaws 2 is not, not brilliant in places. Schneider is a level and tier above everyone else. You know what I mean? Like he is something else. As to... Even Lorraine Gary says she. I, I've I've always found and always believed their relationship when seeing them on screen, but then there's some other people that are very wooden. A lot of their like teenagers in this film are very very poor. Um, so that's where like I say, you mark my marks go down for it because there's some horrendous dialogue at the start of this film when they're all like introducing each other. It's like hi, hi, 
How are you? I'm not bad. Is your cousin coming today? Yeah, she should be here. It's honestly, wow. But then, like I say, you get this weird, strange performance where, like, granted, yeah, it's a way of getting the shark scared off. It's what the producers and, and director and such obviously want to get is, like, a, a menacing look at the shark. But it's so bizarre how it happens. I mean, it could. It, I was trying to think if there's any way they could have done it where it didn't involve this woman pouring up gasoline on herself because she does that, gets it all over, then shoots the flare. Now, if that was me in that position... I've never faced a shark attack before, so... But you know what I mean? Like, if that was me, I'd, you surely know that you've got the gasoline on um, on yourself, you know, on your clothes. Stuff. I mean, she pours it all over herself, and then next thing you know, there's a... She lights the flare, boom, big old explosion. Everyone on the beach side who have seen witnesses, who've seen them, who, who did see them, you know, water skiing, this, that, and the other, no idea how this has happened. And this is where I'm like, how... How can the mayor just kind of just dismiss this explosion like a freak accident? Like, what did he think that the the lady stalled the boat and then it just went boom? I don't. It's such a it's such a bizarre one that they said this huge set piece happens and then everyone's like, oh yeah, that's, I don't really know what's happened there. Like, there's there's you can say you've got one one person in the boat. Granted, if she was on there when it exploded, as she, as she did, yes, yeah, she's missing. But then there's another person missing as well that was on the back of the boat. Where's she gone? And there's two other scuba divers that are missing as well. It's not really too like far fetched for Brody to be like, yep, bigger jars. So yeah, it's a it, very strange death, but I say it's a great set piece. And this is the thing because I think that there's a lot of things that happen where they've like tried to make a really big moment in Jaws. Like I think that um, you know because Jaws one it's very suspense and the the big moments aren't huge or grand. You know the shark will make an attack, and I mean the beauty of Jaws one for me says it all when you can make a log uh dock terrifying you know like you've got those people that are trying to hunt the shark in the first they're on the they're on the sly the dock that they're on obviously falls in then starts to turn obviously because that's where the shark is underneath then starts coming towards the guy you don't even see the shark he's been chased by wood basically and that's terrifying there's none of that in this there's a few moments of like there's, there's more probably jump scares in this than than anything there's a few like well hey where did that come from like when Brody finds the burnt up body in the sea when he just pulls a piece of wood and it jumps out and it's like whoa where did that come from or even when one of the another scuba diver is down underwater the shark just comes out of nowhere knocks his mask off and again like and then even then they're like someone spooked him down there what was it i don't know it must have been something really bad and when even when they find the killer whale and brody's like yeah a shark's done this and the ladies who's there to like take all the readings and measurements and something it's like well we don't know yet it could be it's like there's chunks missing from the shark and i guess that it's the only it's i'm not sat here trying to because as you I, I do like this film i'm sat here like i don't i'm just getting into those characters mindsets and i don't understand sometimes why they were so like you know against what brody was saying i know for the for the mayor's front he's just like look he's he's causing too much for scene obviously especially when he was in the the the, the top of the, the shark pole or whatever when he was trying to look out to see to see if there was a shark and he caused that huge panic over the uh, over the sea over the over the beach, sorry, and like gets his gun out, and starts shooting at bluefish. You know that whole sequence. Granted, yeah, he created a, a public distress and and panic galore. That they are going to be a little bit like I think he's losing his mind, and I, I like that take on it. There's a lot of stuff there, but I'm glad they didn't overdo it with that. Like, and then it's again, it's just like he's fighting a losing battle because no one, no one, no one took him seriously in the first one. No one's taking him seriously in this one either, and it, it just must be so frustrating. Which is why I think. One of my favourite moments in Jaws 2 is that moment when he gets that picture. Clearly, you can see that, obviously, it looks like a shark, a very close shot uh, picture, sorry, of a, of, a, of a shark, like a great white shark. You can see the eye, the mouth and such, obviously, attacking those first scuba divers who had a camera with them, thankfully. When he's got those developed, and I say even that is is a intense and, and it's just a great build-up moment of when they're developing the pictures 
and we just see like the first thing you see is that eye, and then it all comes out and it's like, yep, that's the one. But that performance and that that say that 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 moment between Brody and and obviously I don't know if it's like the neighborhood watch or the council or whoever it is, including the mayor and such, when he's slamming those pictures on, being like, that's a shark. I don't care what you say, and you're gonna do something about this one because I am not going through what I went through last time. I think that that for me is like one of my favorite that that beats a lot of moments for me from Brody and Jaws one like I think that that moment of this guy's just had enough now like this is serious you're not taking it seriously like come on you can see it's a shark why are you why are you butting heads with me and why are you arguing against me someone that took the last one out you know you got you get to see shots in the film obviously you got the amateur man of the year award obviously for what he did in, in Jaws one and still they'd rather fire him say he's just like lost his mind then actually think you know what let's 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 do few precautions because i don't really know what they've got to lose in this one because obviously yes the motive in the first one they don't want to shut the beaches because they're going to lose money for the summer whether that's the same thing again and they don't really want to address it too much because it would be too beat for beat what happened in the first one that's fine i can get better i don't really know why they're not just going, okay let's 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 take it seriously you, you would wouldn't you come on like you would wouldn't you? Like, we've had a shark before people have died before let's take this seriously now and let's move uh, yeah but it makes for great, great watch anyways, because seeing Brody go through that whole, like, struggle, um, yeah, it, it, it does make for great viewing. As I can say, that moment when he when he does have it out with them, it's such a great Brody moment, one of my favourite Brody moments, in fairness. So, yeah, fair play to that and to the to the behind-the-scenes team, obviously the writers and such for that particular moment. Um, while we're talking about behind-the-scenes stuff as well, sorry, because one of the... Because obviously this is just... A, it, it, like I said, it follows on very nicely from Jaws 1. There's still that wonder, that light-heartedness about it. I say there's... There's the there's the action in there. There's there's very very similar films, obviously. Jaws one and Jaws two, I think, like I say, go very well hand in hand. I think it's a great yeah great two piece. The original ideas for the film were very different because there was a director uh, named I think it was John Hancock who was chosen uh, originally to to do the film, but they weren't happy with this very dark and subtle tone of the film. And I know that. Obviously, because they wanted it more. They wanted, like I said, the first one, light-hearted and such like that. But the original idea for this was that Amity was going to be really struggling on the back of what happened in Jaws 1, in that there was going to be, they'd get no, no like, tourists coming in, making no money, lots of shops were going to be boarded up, everything was going to be gloomy and dreary. And the colour palette was... There's one shot in this film that's remained from the original shoot, I should say, of what they were going for. Um, and it's right towards the start of the film, uh, well, not right towards, but very early on, where um, it's just after they've been at the uh, event where they're opening up the new, is it like a leisure park or something like that, or whatever it is? Um, your Chief Brody and Helen are having a dance and such and having a chat, and we get to establish more of those characters. But there's a shot afterwards where the colour grading is so different. It's, it's like a light, it's like an aqua kind of colour. It's like a bluey white, you know, wash over the screen. And we get to see, obviously, loads of boats, you know, in the docks are just not going anywhere. There's no one on the beaches and such. The, 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 there's not even anyone in the town that you can see. It's just seagulls. I think it was. it's great they kept this shot because it does work perfectly because, obviously, you'd think, that okay, no one's there because everyone's celebrating elsewhere kind of thing of what, you know, this this event that's happening. But that was the original idea is that Amity, that was going to be Amity. So to, to, to get an idea of what Amity was going to look like, that's the shot. And we get to see the fin come up. And we get to see that we get the first, you know, the, the first obviously from from John Williams as the shark kind of as the fin, you know, we follow it with the camera and we get to see the rest of Amity. That was going to be the film, and I think that they had a lot of problems as well with uh, the town that, that they used for Amity when they shot it to actually go along with 
making their shops look desolate or at least boarding up the outside windows and stuff. And again, on a real life scale, they didn't want shops, shop owners that didn't want to do that because it was like, well, we're going to lose customs, obviously, just by simply doing, you know what I mean? So there was, I think there's a lot of issues with the actual, because um, I don't think if I'm right, that um, I think that, sorry, that the actual town, the Amity, that they use for Amity, weren't too fussed about the tourists that they were getting on the back of Jaws. So I think there was a, a few back and forth with that as well. And obviously asking them to see if we can board up your shops and stuff wasn't going to fly. But yeah, so that was the original idea is that they were going to they were going to have a real... I don't know too much about the, what the rest of the film was going to happen, but I knew that the the, the original concept anyways that they started to, to film was that Amity was going to be really struggling on the back of Jaws 1. It could have been interesting, it could have been intriguing, but like I say, that one shot that's in the film quite early on, it, it kind of now that when I when I found that out many moons ago, and obviously you you watch it, you're like, oh, I, I guess that it kind of gives you like a, a nice weird uh, alternative view of what this film could have been. Uh, it's a nice shot, but um, yeah, interesting to see if there's any other any other deleted scenes or any other footage or even stills or something of of that particular story they were going for online, which I'm sure I'll do some research. But yeah, that was one of the other uh, one of the ideas they had. The other idea that they had is obviously after John Hancock stepped down, apparently he also stepped down as well because he was he mainly blamed the departure on the fact of the shark. Once again, we know the infamous stories about when Spielberg was filming, how he had an absolute nightmare with the shark. But he was like, I think Hancock was quite saying, you get a couple of shots and then it breaks, literally echoing the first production. Like he couldn't make it swim or bite or anything like that. Just an impossible task at times. So yeah, after he left, um, there was a point when Spielberg did, did consider to come back. Um, he actually penned up a draft, a screenplay based on the speech that Quint did, the infamous and terrifying speech about the Indi Indianapolis, um, the submarine that was taken down, and then the sharks picked him off one by one. He was going to focus a film solely on that side of the story, um, which, again, I know they've done a film like that since with Nicolas Cage starring in, would you believe? But that would have been really... That could have been another kind of... A very Spielberg take on a Jaws sequel, do you know what I mean? Like, he's done, he's done something different with a concept and character of, of, well, creature, I should say, and then made it completely different. Sorry, I, I, I do like that idea that that was one of the uh, concepts. And again, I'd love to have a read of, of that, if that's knocking about anywhere online from Spielberg, this uh, this screenplay about the, the Indianapolis and whether, well, Quint should have been involved in that one as well. It would have been cool to see a young Quint in that. I think that one of the reasons that Spielberg originally did turn down is because I think that because Universal was so like hell-bent on getting a sequel out for Jaws 2, that like the one of the ideas was that it was going to be the the, the children of Quint and the children of Brody obviously going out to tackle a shark, which it, even that doesn't sound good at all. So I'm not surprised he was like, no, I'm not doing that. So I do like to say these scrapped ideas, but yeah, it's interesting enough that they did keep one shot in this film uh, from the original shoot from uh, from Hancock. So yeah, they went from a really like very darkish and broody subtle tone to obviously light-hearted and wonder and and again jaws basically what the first one was so it is say similar on that front that the, the the whole vibe and tone of the film i think and there's, there's some there's some lovely humor in there brody's got some great lines in there but i do like the feel of it and i like having this idea of having these kids obviously young teenagers go out just sailing and then they're the obviously that that's that's the story. That's that's like the second half of the film, or the third act or whatever. Is that they're the ones that are in the most danger, and it's up to Brody and Co to save the day. Um, I'm just trying to think if there's any with oh uh, with that. 
there is obviously like one of the most ridiculous things that happens in this film, and a lot of people that I know that don't mind the Jaws, especially Jaws two, agree that the whole helicopter sequence when the heli- the the obviously air rescue comes down, and then the shark takes down the helicopter and pulls it underwater. It's a little bit unbelievable. It's the only bit that I'm like, ah, oh, I don't know about this. Like, I'd... the thing for me is, is that I was like, you just ask yourself, does this impact the film if it's removed? No, nothing changes other than another set piece, another big moment to air quote for people to talk about after the film. You know, the kids there think they're going to get saved. The helicopter lands. It's then taken down by the shark. They're back to where they were. They have to try. They're trying to get back to land or at least waiting for the next person to save them. Nothing changes if that doesn't happen. They're still in the sea. They're still stuck on these broken sailboats. They're still obviously getting picked off one by one. It's just that it, it might have like, you know, took away 10 minutes of the film if you had just removed this silly little bit where the shark does take a helicopter down. I don't, I don't know who was behind that. Like, seriously, like, what? The only, One of the other things, sorry, that I don't like about this is that the mayor never gets his comeuppance. Like, you'd think a character like that would either meet his demise necessarily or at least have some kind of, uh, some moment where people are like, yes, you were wrong twice. You know, he doesn't, he literally, he's in, I think the last time we see him is when Brody gets sacked, when they have the meeting, when they look at the pictures, we never see him again. He's got like his right-hand man, which I said looked a bit like a poor man's David Walliams. But like, he he's the one that's answering for it. When they find the girl that's boyfriend was eaten by the shark, um, uh, one, of the, one of the first teenagers, obviously, on this sailing trip, when they find her and then she starts screaming shark, and again, one of the better performances, I think, because you do actually believe her shock of what she's witnessed and seen her boyfriend be dragged around and then eaten. Um, you know, even after that, like, there's nothing with the mayor. Like, there's nothing. The Ellen goes home, takes her back to land, obviously, with, with, with one of the police officers as well, forgot his name, um, and that's it. It's like it's just the guy's like, oh, well, you know, I, I, you've got to understand my predicament. It's like, I don't understand. Why are you answering for the mayor? And, and also, I know that you was a bit of a, this guy's a bit of a douche as it is throughout the film anyways because he's like kind of eyeing up Brody's wife and and almost undermining Brody all the way through like making him out to be the crazy one and then that's really it there's nothing you know there's nothing else following that I really wish that the mayor would have got some kind of you know uh yeah comeuppance about it or like I'd like lost his lost his job lost his role and I don't know it's just a bit of a strange one that never unless I can only think that Murray Hamilton wasn't available for this particular point of, of shooting maybe he was off doing something else I don't know but yeah it's just a bit of a bit of a bit of a weird one um but you know then you do get and this is the thing because you, you've got to think about I, I always think how are they going to stop this shark then how, how in, in what way can they do it that's not similar to what they did in the first one because obviously the first one I mean, I go without saying that the first the, the the way the shark goes out in the first one is so superior than how it does in the book. Read the book and and see for yourself. I won't spoil that for you, but I do think the ending to the first one is far superior. I think the film is just fantastic, it's so good. Um, but then I'm thinking, how can they? What can they do in Jaws two to take out the shark? Like, how are they going to make it plausible, or at least that that Brody can save the day that doesn't involve an air tank in his mouth and he's blowing it up, you know what I mean? Um, and I like that thing that films do all the time. Like we chat about this as well with my friend when we're watching it, that films like to do this. Like most anything like this or you know, you see it all the time where there's a moment where we'll fixate on a, a small a small point and it will be like, don't forget this. Like, remember this moment because it will come back and you'll be like, oh, yes. So, like, in this particular film, it's where the other police officer is out at sea. They're dragging 
uh, like hooks on the floor to see if they can pick up anything such as like evidence or maybe a body for these missing scuba divers or whatever. They end up reeling up a electric electric wire, um, the uh, power supply for the for the island, obviously. And it's that moment when you're like, oh yeah, okay, so this could be something important for later on. It's almost like it's like, oh, we need to drop it now, Jesus Christ! Like, if we pull this, then the power's gone for the the entire island. Put it back, kind of thing. And it's at that moment, obviously, you're like, okay, so this could be. Quite a vital piece in taking the shot down. Lo and behold, it is because I think it's ingenious and in, like uh, for Brody to to obviously accidentally not only pull it up himself because he again he, he's boat the boat crashes the police boat he drags up the wire then he's like ah oh, I can use this to my advantage because they I think the lady says the lady who was examining the killer whale earlier is that sharks obviously drawn to splashes sounds and the vibrations so he starts whacking this wire just to get the shark's attention. And I just love that moment of the shark coming towards him and he's like, at a voice saying to Charlotte, open wide and say, ah. I just like that they've gone for that moment again of, okay, so in the first one he says, smile, you son of a bitch, as he blows him up. So this one will get him to say something really badass and action hero -y again, <laughs> except it sounds like he's going to the dentist. Uh, and the shark obviously does bite down on the wire and gets electrocuted. Uh, it's one of those ways, it looks very theme park-esque and I know they did use that element for the Jaws um, for the Jaws ride in, in Florida before they took it down, blasphemy. Um, but it's one of those where like, yeah, okay, I'll let you have that one. I'll let you have that one. But like I said, it's it's just great that, again, it's Brody that takes it down. It's, it is pretty much Brody's story. Obviously, this time around as well, you've got obviously these kids that are older, you know, Michael and and Sean, who actually do a part of the teenage, a part of the, a part of the friendship group that are on stuck on these sailing boats out at sea. Obviously, Sean's still quite a young, a younger boy. Um, he's about Michael's age from the first one, and then Michael's um, more of a teenager. They don't really add anything though. Like I think that they, again, it's nice that they're at the forefront and they're the ones that are trapped at sea. And it's like you know, Brody again having to save his family um, from a shark kind of thing. Um, but I, I I don't know maybe I think that they could have maybe done a little bit more at least you know in terms of their relationship or whatever. But I do you know what like I say of all the of all the nitpicks and stuff that I've said and all the many you know humorous points I've made throughout this podcast, I don't think Jaws two is a terrible film at all. I think it's pretty good. I think that it's it's nowhere near the same level as Jaws one. Don't get me wrong because the thing is is that once you've seen that, how can they do a second one that's going to be as scary? Although you know this film is now infamous for the tagline just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water. That's been spoofed by so many films. So, like, Jaws, obviously, Jaws 1 did something for cinema. Jaws 2 as well did something for cinema as well, like, in terms of that feat. You know, it's only a tagline, don't get me wrong. It's not like they changed cinemas and, and you know, created a new blockbuster as Jaws did. But, like, that tagline alone, the amount of times you see it being spoofed and used elsewhere, you're like, yeah, it's not... It's, that's, that's, that's because of Jaws 2. So, um, if anything, take that away from this this podcast episode of my, and my thoughts on Jaws 2, because... Yeah, I think out of ten, I'm I'm like six, six and a half, even yeah, six, six and a half, seven. I give Jaws one like a ten easily. It's got to be. Don't argue with me. It's gonna be, but like Jaws two, I think is definitely a sequel that I, I wouldn't say it's undervalued or underappreciated. I think that maybe just just watch it. I don't know. Like I, I, it's definitely definitely not the worst sequel out of the bunch. I don't don't have any issues with it really. So other than like these slight niggles and plot points and such, but in terms of like. Comparing it to Jaws 3 and Jaws 4, The Revenge, um, it might actually be worth doing a Jaws, um, Jaws 4 podcast just to just to laugh endlessly at how poor that film actually is. I think Jaws The Revenge is 0%, I think, on Rotten Tomatoes. It's definitely up there as one of the worst films ever made. Um, and Michael Caine's in that one, so there you go. 
So yeah, Jaws 2, have you seen it? If you have, get in touch, because I, I, I just love big monster films, and I think that, like I says, in terms of sequels go, it's definitely not the worst one that's out there. The pacing's dead on in this film. Doesn't at all feel like it's a slow or dull or anything like that. That's one thing that I, I kind of took away as well when I rewatched it. I was like, this has flown two hours, but I don't feel like it's been two hours at all. Um, I think the development of characters, especially for Brody, is it's great. They say it's great to see what they did with him because it, it, they could have just really rehashed the first one. Same with a lot of characters in a lot of storylines. They could have rehashed the first one, but they moved it forward and they made obviously this kind of great shift of is Brody obviously to everyone else, is Brody going out of his mind or is he genuinely telling the truth or at least he is right about there being another shark on, shark in the sea. So I like what they did there. I think that everyone, like I say, I think that most performances in this particular Brody are actually quite good. It's just there's a few wooden people in there as well. Really bad. But um, yeah, pretty good from uh, Jeanette Schwark. Great stuff. Let me know if you have seen it, have a chat about it. I very much don't hate Jaws 2 at all. I think Jaws 2 is just fine. My next episode on the podcast will be the brand new Jurassic film, um, Jurassic Dominion, so Jurassic World Dominion, sorry. So keep your eyes and ears for that. Uh, but until then, though, thank you as always. And if there is a film that you'd like to hear my thoughts on, have a chat about, or even if you'd like to feature to talk about it with me, then do get in touch again. Let me know. I'd be more than happy to sort that out as well. But as always, thank you so much for listening. Until next time, take care.